Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It is Matt Mosley, and it's the Doomsday Podcast, alongside Ed Werder, coming to you from Frito Nation Studios and Ed, we knew the day was coming, the big meeting. We didn't know we would have closure so quickly. And uh, it comes down this morning, and that's why we're doing this emergency uh, podcast. So much to get to. And also, Ed, we do want to let our folks know that uh, as of Monday, we'll have a monster guest lined up, and we can uh, decide whether we want to reveal that, tease it, you know, I, since you booked it, I, I, I think maybe I should lean on you for that. But uh, well, it's, Ed, a, it's a bigger guest than the guy we've convened an emergency episode of the Doomsday podcast to discuss. This person is far more accomplished than Des Bryant, a okay. bigger name than Des Bryant. OK, but now we're, we're not going to step all over poor Des today because <laughs> Des has been sent packing by the Cowboys uh, getting reports that as he left the room, Jerry threw up the X. I'm reading that off your Twitter account right now, and it's quite humorous to think that Jerry would do such a thing. I sure, I Jerry sure. usually just says sign at the X when he's dealing with one of his coveted, high-profile, long-serving Cowboys stars. You know, really, I think, I think the last time um, Jerry was in this situation was with Demarcus Ware. Um, you know, Demarcus Ware led the team in in, in team history in sacks, uh, but he was seen as a player who was now injury prone, uh, on sort of a descending trajectory, and someone they thought no longer could be an elite player. And I think many of those same um, things apply now to Des Bryant as the Cowboys see him. They see him as a guy who, you know, didn't compete for the football at times, couldn't create separation anymore, uh, was a lazy route runner, and an incredibly expensive asset on their football team who could no longer justify their expenditure uh, when compared to his productivity the last few years. All right, we got a lot to go, and and how does this apply to Dak Prescott? I think that's one aspect. And then where's he going to end up? Where's Des going to end up? I've already talked to uh, some folks in the NFC East. That's where he wants to be. Much more to come, including maybe we reveal our huge guest on Monday. Frito, would you play the music? There it is. It is uh, the sign, Ed. We had a we got a huge podcast. We're going to be releasing on Monday, but uh, this felt like a time we needed to get the gang together 
for an emergency podcast. Uh, uh, news coming down. We knew the uh, meeting was going to happen today. Uh, Jerry and Des meeting at the uh, at the, the Star in Frisco, and then uh, soon after that, uh, word begins to float out. I believe Adam Schefter and others had uh, had some of these various reports that it looked like it was headed toward. Uh, a a release unless there was a huge change of heart. Well, and, well, one of the things when when you're bringing in a player who's been as important in your organization's history as Des has been in recent years, and you've decided that you're going to have a conversation with this player about cutting his salary, you've already decided that you are willing to proceed without him. Now, apparently, it never got to the point where they offered him a number and said, "Will you play for this?" Um, and, and I think one of the things that complicates that that option and maybe eliminated it altogether for Stephen and Jerry, you know, was Dez's volatility. Um, you know, in a lot of situations, I think the fair thing to do when a player is not justifying his contract with his performance, as Dez has not done since he got the big money three years ago uh, as a franchise player, is you can you can offer him a lower base salary and say, We'll let you have the opportunity to make it back through incentives. But with Dez and his behavior at times during games, which went from passion a few years ago when, when they were still in love with Dez to what Stephen called a distraction this offseason, you know, then you're putting him in a situation where if he's not getting the ball at a certain point in a game, he might be destructive because now it's costing him money not to get opportunities. We've already seen how he reacts to not getting opportunities when he thinks he should. Now, if there's, if he's losing money over it too, I think that could be a very detrimental situation. And that may be why ultimately they decided to just move on rather than offer him to continue playing for the Cowboys with a pay cut. But I think the thing most people believe is kind of unfair to Dez in all of this is the timing. And that's where this differs from DeMarcus Ware. DeMarcus Ware's situation the same in many regards, but DeMarcus Ware was allowed to meet with um, Jerry and Steven before the start of free agency, and, and they didn't give him a number, I'm told. They just said, we don't think we can justify what your salary calls for in your current contract. Why don't you go out and see what you can solicit somewhere else and bring it back to us. Well, he went out to Denver, obviously, on the first flight, got the big money deal from Denver that Dallas wouldn't pay him, almost identical, and 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 that was it. He was a former Cowboy. In this situation, uh, Dez didn't get that opportunity, and now it's late in the game. It's not the start of free agency. The big money in free agency is largely gone, uh, and this puts Dez in a very you know disadvantaged position and if they weren't going to offer him a pay cut, I think some people think that then they should have let him go earlier in free agency, at least when they signed Alan Hearns. Now, here's what I would say to that, and and that came up on a good friend of yours. In fact, he we brought you up and said kind things about you. The uh, the Cowherd Show, Colin Cowherd, uh, you've known him for years. I went on with him today, and that was one of the things. Why was this timing like it was? Why didn't they do this? You know, have they done Des wrong? And I would just say this: there's a couple of things at work here. I think sometimes it takes, and we saw it with T.O. a little bit. Well, we saw it with Johnny Manziel because obviously uh, Jerry kept talking about how he had uh, not gone for it and how he laid up on that play on on that particular thing. I think Stephen needed time. Yep. 
and maybe others in the organization. I, from what I've been told, I don't think Scott Linehan was probably the offense coordinator for the Cowboys, was lobbying that hard for Dez. In fact, I could probably make an argument that he was going the opposite direction. Garrett may have just not really gotten involved either way. Uh, which is uh, sort of Garrett's way at times, but he didn't. Garrett, I don't. I didn't get the sense fought for him and said we have to keep him. Let's let's not let him get away. So I think that was at play, and so the Cowboys were sitting there, sort of waiting on. Okay, we've got to get this timing right. We got to get Jerry to where he's comfortable doing this, and I think uh, I think all of that played a role. And then it was like, well, is there any? Let's go get Deontay Thompson and let's go get uh, uh, let's go get Alan Hearns. Did they need to wait to see if they could get adequate enough players to not replace him, but at least put themselves in a better position to release him? Well, I think you're right in the sense of comparing the situation in many regards for different reasons. Um, the Cowboys weren't motivated to cut. Des Bryant for the reasons they were motivated to cut Terrell Owens. They were motivated to cut Terrell Owens because uh, he was a toxic factor in the locker room and they had very little other alternative. But even in that case, it took, as it did in this one, it took Stephen Jones, you know, who has a different belief system than Jerry does about, you know, evaluation and evaluation of players and the importance of team chemistry and so forth. And so, but in both situations, I think it did take Jerry a long time to come to terms with with this. I think he really struggles with letting star players go. He gets incredibly close to a lot of them, especially a guy like Dez, who he drafted in the first round despite all the red flags. Uh, you know, took a lot of personal per, took a lot of personal responsibility for helping develop him uh, as a more mature, more professional uh, human being. Even though he's far from perfect at this point in his career. Uh, all of that took a lot of time, and I think it was Stephen again, the driving force behind leading Jerry to make the decision that Stephen felt Jerry would not make if it was left to him. But I did text somebody at the Star today after this decision was made, and I, I asked what factors went into this decision, and the person said, ultimately, it was Jerry's decision. Now, Jerry would tell you, he's a general manager, he has to sign off on all of these uh, major personnel decisions. But I think this was really Steven's decision. Uh, he's the one who began calling um, the sideline outbursts uh, something other than passion, calling them distractions. He's the one who told us in our last podcast, our exclusive interview with him, how important route running is to Dak Prescott as a quarterback. That it is important to him as it was Troy Aikman, that he's more that kind of quarterback than he is the kind of quarterback Tony Romo is who could extend plays. And, and to me, when I look back at it now, at that point, I really believe Steven had already made up his mind and was really telling us without saying as much that Dez doesn't fit. He doesn't fit Dak because that's not the kind of receiver Dak needs. Yeah, I, I think the Dak part of this, I'm glad you got there, Ed, is uh, is a huge factor. And whether it's true or not, when I've tried to look, and you do this too sometimes, Ed, what has, what has Dak said on the record about Dez? He said something very nice. The last one I, I remember was a quote December 27th, which obviously was late in the regular season. He said something to the effect, I could never see him being anything else but a Dallas Cowboy. As we get into the off season, um, and he's had numerous opportunities, whether it be through a golf tournament or camps and these all kinds of things, there's really not been anything out there. 
I do think, and while I do think Dez, especially early on, enjoyed a really good relationship and had a healthy respect for Dak, I think that's going to be something you hear from Dez. And whatever interviews he does, maybe down the road, maybe not tonight, but that Dez is going to feel like Dak did not step up for him in terms of did not lobby. Now, you could make the argument on the other side, does he really have standing yet? Uh, he, he's, he just finished his second year. It wasn't a great year. Does, you know, he didn't have the standing, obviously, that Romo had at one point. Did he have the standing to truly get in there and lobby for Dez? I, I think there'll be some people blamed uh, for this by Dez, and I think Dak, for now, is going to be one of those. Well, I think it's a good point that at a very critical juncture in the transition that this team was making from Tony Romo to you know rookie and Dak Prescott, that Dez was one of those who stood behind Dak. Um, and Dak, for whatever reason, didn't repay that in this situation. Uh, I'm not saying it's not part of his personality. I, I think maybe he came not to trust Des Bryant as a receiver anymore. Uh, I mean, when you when you look at some of the tape and you know you look at a play like that critical play in that game against Oakland early on when he throws that slant to Dez, and Dez pulls up because he knows if he catches the ball, he's going to get hit by Navarro Bowman who's waiting on him in the middle of the field. You know, Dez ran him into an interception in that situation, and I think plays like that definitely undermine the relationship between a quarterback and a wide receiver, and so maybe Dez was true to him, or Dak was true to himself in not advocating for Dez. Uh, maybe he does want a different kind of receiver. Obviously, this is a very pivotal season, I think, uh, in Dak's career, and he he can't afford those receivers creating those kinds of mistakes that cost him, you know, personally and and cost the team as well. So uh, that may have been part of it, but the reality is, you know, and we said, and Stephen made this point. Um, and underlined it when he was talking about the importance of route running and that, that the receivers are going to be held accountable for properly running routes because that's what this quarterback needs. Well, let's just take a quick look at the numbers. And, you know, since this quarterback change was made from Tony Romo to Des Bryant, where Des was clearly one of the best receivers in football uh, early in his career with Romo throwing it to him. Uh, Dak's career completion percentage by wide receiver completed 52% of all the passes that he threw to Dez. He completed 68% of all the passes he threw to other receivers. Now, obviously, some of those are running backs. Some of those are, you know, tight end, you know, Jason Witten type throws that are not as difficult. But I think it became pretty clear uh, that these two had a really hard time matching their strengths as quarterback and wide receiver. And, and I think Dez stopped fighting for the ball in a lot of situations, and and ultimately that may have cost him uh, the allegiance he had early on with Dak. You know, we remember in the aftermath of the T.O. years, there were receivers like Miles Austin. He was coming up at the time, and then obviously – his career was able to kind of take off without uh, T.O. there. LaRon Robinson actually put up huge numbers with Tony. I think Tony was able, and to this day, I don't think Tony has said anything disparaging about T.O., but Tony was able to kind of breathe again. I mean, it, it is when there's that huge of a figure in the locker room or that huge of a personality, uh, and, and you're, you're going to see it today. Ed, we've already seen it from, from the, some of the tweets from the players. Taco Charlton's new to this team. He's going into his second year and he's quoted in, or in his tweet, he says something about this is BS. I mean, 
there were a lot of fans of Dez. Dez is a very popular guy in that room. And so now this is something Dez pointed to. I was going to read this. This comes from Jerry's release. And when somebody put this out, Dez has been very busy on Twitter today. When someone tweeted this aspect of the statement out, Jerry's statement, Dez put the whatever the eyeball icon emoji is or whatever and kind of kind of pointed like eh, you're on to something here. We arrived at this crossroad collectively with input from several voices within the organization. Ultimately, we determined it was time to go in a new direction. Now, this is one of those interesting things. I think people like T.O. and Dez and others over the years have an incredibly difficult time. Jerry has had such a paternal-type relationship with them that it's hard to sit there and go, Jerry doesn't want me anymore. So in a sense, when you see these words, that's the first thing I noticed Dez kind of clung on to. I, Dez will, till the day he retires, or he dies maybe, uh, which is hopefully many, many years from now, will believe that it was other people who got Jerry's attention, and Jerry didn't really want this to happen. And Jerry's basically making that point. It's, it's very rare. I can't remember another situation. And Jerry's, let's be honest, Jerry released Troy Aikman, Jerry released Michael Irvin, Jerry released um, Emmett Smith, Jerry uh, released Jimmy Johnson, Jerry relieved... Tech Schramm and Tom Landry, and in in no other situation of that magnitude can I recall Jerry specifically basically saying there was some disagreement on all of this, and 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 this really kind of goes against my instinct, but I was talked into this by others, which is what he essentially says here today. And and remember when they drafted Des, you know they they provided somebody to live with him and sort of keep an eye on him and make sure that he was where he was supposed to be. Um, th- there was even, you know, reports that Jerry was managing his money, that Jerry had control of Dez's checkbook at times. Um, so they did have a unique relationship, even though Jerry tends to get very close to a lot of his high profile, um, um, players, but I would like to give Jerry a chance to do that for me. I really would. I mean, just given my track, I think record. you have, and he's declined <laughs> thinking the job is much too big even for, for him. But, you know, I think another thing that we need to get into beyond where's Des go next is what are the salary cap ramifications of this, which were a big motivating factor for the Cowboys. And it's interesting to me that they have not designated him a June 1 cut. Uh, So that would indicate that they're taking the entire cap hit now. That's eight and a half million dollars. Uh, which is a very significant amount because they still are being charged for Tony Romo a similar amount. And this is that period of time when the Cowboys are supposed to have the greatest possible advantage in building a a Super Bowl-quality team, which Stephen Jones told us that's their goal and they believe they're close to that, to take advantage of the fact that Dak and, and Ezekiel Elliott are still in their first contracts, and so they're dramatically underpaid and their salary cap charges are very minimal compared to uh, their impact on the team. When they have to start paying Dak like a starting quarterback and they have to start paying Ezekiel Elliott like an elite running back, that's when it's really going to get tricky. Well, the fact that they're now they're adding $8.5 million in dead money on top of the $8.5 million of Romo dead money means the Cowboys have the second most dead money in the entire NFL. Uh, so clearly they're not going to be in a position to go out and sign any more wide receivers. 
whatever help uh, they get, uh, the replacement in all likelihood for Des Bryant is either going to be Alan Hearns, whose numbers are quite similar over the past few years, quite honestly, to Des Bryant's. But that's Des playing poorly. That's Des playing badly enough the Cowboys don't want him on the roster anymore. So now uh, they pretty much sent a message to everybody in the NFL when the draft is unraveling uh, next week that uh, if there's a receiver you want to go up and get, you better go get him in front of the Cowboys because the Cowboys need a starting caliber receiver in the first or second round of this draft. And that's one of the goals as we continue the Doomsday Podcast, Ed. I'm going to uh, – in, in, in our, our huge guest, and we'll reveal that to you in, 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 a, in a few minutes here – uh, hope, well, I'll leave that up to you, Ed. I, I mean, that's one of the things I want to talk about is now you put extreme pressure on yourselves. You always say, say we want to take the best player available. Well, with this receiving core right now, if you don't, if, if you come out of this draft without a, a first or second round wide receiver, it's going to feel like a failure. And, uh, boy, Ed, you've done some, some homework here. I'm looking at your wide receiver depth chart right now for the Cowboys, and it's not going to bowl anyone over. Read that real quick. That is uh, uh, in – I'm, I, I'm trying to think if I agree with how you I, I would say that. Alan Hearns is their number one receiver now, but Terrence Williams is the other outside receiver. Then they have Cole Beasley. They have Deontay Thompson, who's a speed guy that they signed in for agency, and they have Ryan Switzer. Uh, who they drafted last year, whose only real impact was on special teams. So uh, that's the list of receivers that they have right now. Uh, It's interesting to note that they had pre-draft visits with a number of the top receivers in the draft, including Alabama's Calvin Ridley and Maryland's DJ Moore. I believe they went to LSU uh, the other day and looked at the top receiving prospect there. Um, But again, they've kind of tipped their hand here that they need early in this draft Either in the first or second round, they need a starting caliber player at that position. Yeah, it's uh, it. They put themselves in an interesting spot here for sure. And just for further context, Ed, to what you were talking about, I, I believe if they had done that post June first, um, uh, you know, cut and had designated Des as that, it would have been somewhere around twelve million dollars uh, they could have saved against the cap. By taking this immediately, it's the eight million which you were referring to. Now, technically, I do think they have a little wiggle room if there was somebody out there. I mean, it's not like there's a you know flush with wide receivers out there. They could maybe go find somebody, but I think you're right. I think the draft is where the focus has to be. Now, uh, this this list, and I saw the same tweet that talks about all these veterans that were out there. Well. I think the the Cowboys will see what they can do in the draft, and then they may go to camp, Ed, still thinking in the back of their minds, we're going to have to see who gets cut during training camp and may have to bring a veteran wide receiver in or something like that. Now, uh, one thing I wanted to talk with you about, and I've been making some calls on this front, where is Des Bryant going to end up? And... I believe, and he said already on Twitter, oh boy, if you if you want to know what Dez is thinking, just kind of follow his Twitter timeline. He would love to get with one of these NFC East teams. Now, the problem is, you know, you got the defending Super Bowl champions. I mean, it's not like they're hurting at wide receiver. I reached out to uh, the Eagles and was just, uh, the, I immediately got a response that just said, we have Alshon Jeffrey, basically meaning we have a guy who does 
what you would want right. Des to I do. I got a similar response from a different person in the Eagles organization okay. that reflected at this time they have very little interest in Des Bryant. Okay. And, and it's worth noting because Philadelphia would have a positive impression of him based on the 13 games he played against him in a Cowboys uniform where he averaged five receptions, 15.2 per catch, and had nine touchdowns in 13 games against the Eagles. Uh, another team that he had great success against in the division. He played 14 games against the Redskins, averaged 14.5 yards per catch, and has eight touchdowns. So yeah. uh, the Redskins would seem to have more of a need for a wide receiver Certainly. Uh, than would. Although just for pure entertainment, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. and Dez playing together would be a lot of fun. I'd like to see the Giants. I think the Giants are probably at a point where they've got enough concerns with perhaps uh, drafting the uh, replacement for Eli Manning and deciding what's going to, you know, to, then to get Dez. But boy, back to our original point, uh, one of the many, you know, salient points we've brought up is what the timing on releasing him, it does put him in a bind, no matter what the reasoning is. And you can say, well, they had to talk Jerry into it or whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. I mean, it might make Phil Des feel better that, oh, Jerry didn't really want to release me. That's fine. And, and, and I think, you know, Jerry's great at sort of creating those things where nobody ever gets mad at him. They get mad at other people. Um, I've had bosses like that. Uh, I've had relation, been in relationships like that. Yeah. <laughs> when this happened to me, I just get mad at everybody involved. You do. Everybody you who's do. still at the company I left. Exactly. They're complicit. all they're, they're all, all complicit. They're all, all the, the enemy. List. I'm with you. Except uh, I, there are certain people in the field I think that you're okay yes. with. Um, <laughs> like Mort. It's taken me a year. But, no, <laughs> Mort, Mort is instantly forgiven. Had yeah, yeah that's Wouldn't right. Save me if he could have. Right. <laughs> he tried a few times um, over the years. Okay. Ed, I, I, I just want to uh, I want to get to this point, though, also. Enormous, enormous podcast coming up that we were just going to, we're going to talk about draft. We're still going to be talking about Dez. Are you ready to share uh, who you booked for, for Monday's program? I mean, I, I think we'll be taping this on Sunday. Are, are you willing to share this with us? Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, now's the right time for that reveal. And uh, I think you could. You made the comment that you think this is the biggest guest we've ever had. You said that on Twitter, and I think we're having our, our good friend Chris uh, draw this particular guest. Is that Chris Morris, Chris Morris is, in, is the, in the middle right now of, of one of his unbelievable sketches okay. or, or of this drawings. guest? Yes. So, so I'm I'm as as curious as I always am to see what these guests have to say. I'm I'm just as interested to see how Chris decides to depict the person and which particular outstanding feature he will exaggerate uh, and and do so laughably, like he did with me, my teeth bigger than John Elway's. Anyway, uh, we we all know that's not true. Anyway, so our get, next guest for the Doomsday Podcast at this moment, uh, free of charge. Uh, I've been told that this person will donate their guest fee to charity which is very noble of this person. Uh, our guest is has won multiple Super Bowls. Now, we've had Brett Favre on. I, I think Brett Favre... Just one Super Bowl for him. One Super Bowl. for He's played in two. He won one. This guy's won three. Uh, our guest is going to be Troy Aikman. Uh, and I think one of the really unique things about having Troy Aikman on at this time is he's going to be working the draft for the first time since he drafted David LaFleur. Uh, I, I mean, uh, I, I say that sarcastically because Troy gets blamed for that a lot. Uh, anyway, he uh, he is going That's to good. be working the first round 
uh, at Jerry World or or on the set for Fox uh, evaluating all of these quarterbacks. You know, this could be a record year for quarterbacks going in the high first round. Could be the first time they're the first four picks. Uh, and Fox wisely has this enormous asset in Troy Aikman, uh, who does games for them. Uh, so he sees a lot of quarterbacks. Uh, he's gone out for some of the quarterbacks' pro days, traveled for them. I, I believe he's now been at more pro days than Jerry Jones has been at, uh, which is is not hard to uh, not a hard number to to overcome. Uh, but Troy Aikman will be our guest on Sunday, and we'll get to talk to him about uh, his perceptions of the Des Bryant move, uh, the Dak Prescott's future. And uh, as well as, uh, you know, who who does he think is the top quarterback in this draft? He obviously went to Oklahoma early in his career. Baker Mayfield went to Oklahoma. He was drafted in the as a number one pick in 1989 as a quarterback out of UCLA. Josh Rosen may be the number one quarterback prospect in this draft. So I think Troy will be impart much wisdom on Sunday. Did, I, I want to ask which means you, we have to impart far less. Yeah, which is always puts me in a, a more comfortable situation. Yeah, for, hey, for, I'm I'm with you on that. We I, I want to ask Troy if he uh, if he ever asked Jerry to release Michael Irvin. I don't think Michael ever went across the middle and turned down a catch to avoid a hit. I think I think Michael's thing used to be I trade concussions for receptions. That's what he used to say. Des stopped making that deal. That's wow. Last yeah, year. Michael might you know, rethink that now. You know, who one, knows? Other, one other thing. I, I don't know if we're, I think we're coming to a conclusion here. Um, one other thing I wanted to say I'll as, give we, you that as we, as we, we try and, you know, justify or explain the rationale for the Cowboys in making this move with Des Bryant and, you know, how much he'll appeal to other teams in the NFL as he resumes his career and kind of at what financial level. You know, one source of the Cowboys told me that. Quote, he has slipped a lot in recent years. And I don't think they meant his footing was bad. Uh, I think they meant that, you know, he's begun to, his play has begun to deteriorate in many different regards. Uh, He had the worst catch percentage in the entire league last year. Uh, By some measure, he led the NFL in drop passes last year. And, you know, a lot of people obviously want to to blame Dak Prescott for a lot of that, given how successful Dez was. When he played with Tony Romo, who was much more prolific and accomplished passer at the end of his career than than uh, Dak Prescott is right now, uh, and maybe maybe Dak will never be that kind of quarterback. But obviously, the Cowboys put uh, a lot of the blame for the failure of the offense and the passing game, in particular, on Des Bryant with this move to release him today. Yeah, yeah, and, and just for some perspective, I've noticed you brought up and others. Oh, when they, you know, when when Dorsett was traded, when Emmett was released, when Troy was released. I mean, yeah, these things happen to legendary type players in this uh, in this franchise. But this this to me feels so different than even when they released To. This is a beloved player by many. And I mean, when you go to the Cowboy Stadium and you, okay, who's wearing what number? I mean, eighty-eight, the Des Bryant number, I think has as many as anybody. Well, look at the at, legacy of that number, and he lived up to it. Yeah, for for career. a good while. Um, Drew Pearson, Michael Irvin, and but Des this Bryant. is happening at age twenty-nine when those other players still had a lot left in the tank, mm-hmm. and and so it, this is fascinating to and receivers watch. at twenty-nine don't generally lose it like running backs do, right? It, it's yeah, that's true. And and uh, I think that's happened here. I think Des has said he's going to be you know exceptionally motivated now that the, that he's had this experience. Um, 
you know, whether athletically and physically he's able to use that to his advantage, as he's suggesting rhetorically, remains to be seen. Um, but it's kind of amazing that, what was it, three years ago, you know, people were talking about Tony Romo, Des Bryant, and DeMarco Murray. They're the next triplets. They're the next Aikman, Irvin, and Smith. And obviously that was laughably premature because their careers are all over in Dallas now. And Romo's career in the NFL is over, and they never even got to a championship game, much less won three Super Bowl rings. I would say this. I, um, I, I like, and I've thrown this out before today, a few weeks ago, uh, the, the Patriots, and I've seen some people already have written this today, the Patriots are somewhere I would look for Dez. This and the thought would be sort of like Randy Moss late in his career. You capitalize on a player that might have one or two seasons left of somewhat elite type uh, uh, numbers. Now it's been a while for Dez, but with Tom Brady, uh, with Belichick, with that system, I don't know if Dez would enjoy his time that much. But he certainly. Yeah, but you know, here's why I don't think he's a good fit there. Not only is he a big money guy at a position where they just have made substantial cuts in that regard. But, you know, um, the pa- the Patriot profile the, under Bill Belichick for a player is tough, smart, and versatile. And I, I don't think that Dez fits all three of those criteria based on what we know right now because um, he wasn't physical in, in recent years. Uh, I know he's been injured. I know he's played hurt. I, I give him credit for that. And and I, and, I, and I'm with you. I think anybody who believes that this guy's um, disruptive in the locker room is wrong. Uh, the guy has a great passion for football. I have seen him out there myself when I've come in after uh, the Monday after a loss, and he's the highest profile guy who makes himself available, and he's always been, you know, accountable publicly for his own failings. And so I give him a lot of credit for that. Uh, but I just don't think he really fits the Patriots because he, he, you know, he, 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 he's not a guy who can play a lot of different positions. He has always been seen by Cowboy coaches as a guy because people would always say, why don't you play him in the slot? Why don't you get him on the move? Why can't he play if he's you know, been injured, coming off an injury? And it's because he's a guy who has always needed a full, weeks of, full week of reps at the position and in the role he's going to play for him to be able to execute a game on Sunday. I agree. I agree with uh, a lot of that. Um, Ed, it's been good to have you in here for an emergency podcast. I want to also reveal a little bit of good news. It looks like we're closing in on a presenting sponsor for uh, our draft coverage and uh, maybe even our coverage all through the season. And I'm not allowed. It is a car. It's a car dealership company. Um, uh, It's a company that does a lot of things. And so I'm not allowed to say but I'm excited, and, and, uh, and uh, you know, if I'm just saying, Ed, let me just put it this way. If you had a chance to say nice things about Warren Buffett, uh, now would be a good Isn't time. Isn't Dez his guy? Huh? Isn't Dez his guy? <laughs> Dez? Warren Buffett? I, I don't know of any connection between those two. But I've just always been a fan of the, uh, of the Berkshire Hathaway Automotive Group. Uh, Ed, <laughs> there it is, man. This is an exciting time for the podcast for Frito Nation Productions as Frito continues to grow his empire. And then we'll all do it again on Sunday and we uh, get together and visit 
with uh, another huge guest. Whether he's the biggest ever, I who knows? That's debatable. Certainly, uh, you could make that argument. I can't wait till you get a guy of this magnitude. Troy Aikman. I got Mike McIntyre, I think. I, I He was pretty big. Jalen Smith. Uh, Jalen Smith, I got him. Troy Aikman joins us, in that that will air uh, probably Monday morning. Uh, for everyone who's been a part of this, for Frito Nation Productions, and the entire staff at Doomsday, I want to say good night. Say good night, Ed. Good night on this Doomsday for Des special podcast. Later. Stockings have been hung. You're praying for your daughter, lighting candles for your son. They're living in the city now. You don't see them anymore. This year will not be like the ones before. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.